I'm Larry Walsh, and this is Pod 2112, the official podcast of the 2112 Group, where we talk with industry executives and thought leaders about the trends and the issues shaping the channel, the market, and the world around us. This is a special episode of Pod 2112 in that we're not doing an interview or a typical one-on-one discussion, but we're sharing the highlights of a recent panel I moderated. At the annual channel-focused North America Conference, an event ably produced by our friends at Baptian Company, I led a discussion on channel transformation in the time of digital transformation. It's a big topic. Technology vendors are racing to keep up with the pace of change. Innovation is bringing new products, services, and business models to market faster than ever. And it's the job of channel chiefs to not just adjust their channel programs with the pace of innovation, but leapfrog and anticipate to get ahead of the innovation curve. My panel featured four channel chiefs from very different companies that are, in their own way, undergoing significant channel challenges and transformations. Joining us first was Alyssa Fitzpatrick, the General Manager of Worldwide Partner Sales at Microsoft. She oversees the company's co-selling program and partner sales strategy, and she's tasked with transforming the way partners interact with Microsoft sales and products, as well as enabling multi-vendor sales to build on and with the Microsoft Azure Cloud. Next, we had Chris Jones, the Assistant Vice President of Channel Sales at AT&T's Partner Solutions, which is actively working with traditional telecom master agents and agents while simultaneously pushing out to engage with new and diverse technology partners and influencers. The veteran on our panel was Nick Tidd, the Vice President of Global Channel Sales at Poly, which is in the midst of combining complementary but very different channel programs of two companies, Polycom and Plantronics. He's been around the channel for a long time, having overseen channel sales and strategies going as far back as 1993 when he led the channels at 3Com. And finally, we were joined by Darren Bibby, the Vice President of Partner Strategies and Programs at DocuSign, who is working to bring more partners into the online services world. Darren brought a slightly different perspective to the panel, as he also served as a longtime channel analyst at IDC. Channel transformation, as our conversation revealed, is more than just adjusting to new technologies. It's about changing processes, revenue models, compensation, and ultimately cultures. But why are we having this conversation in the first place? The technology industry is a constant state of change. The technology today is vastly different than what we had 20 or even just 10 years ago. And while we're talking about things like new go-to-market models and recurring revenue models, they're not really new. Many of these things have been around for a long time, as our panelists will share. What is changing, though, is a sense of urgency. Channel chiefs know that they must adapt their channel programs and their go-to-market strategies in order to keep up with the market expectations. And that's where we join our discussion. Darren Bibby shares his thoughts on why we're making these changes why we're going through channel transformation. I think we're talking about this today, by the way, because uh, I think we've had shifts and transformations over the years, but we've never had this many. And by by my count, there's 10. There's 10 kind of major transformations that uh, companies have to go through, or at least think about to see which ones they'd go through. I mean, you know, very quickly, and you talked about a bunch of them in the Modern Partner, and and I think I helped work on some of that with you guys years ago when I was, uh, I'm I'm DocuSign today leading um, uh, partner strategy and programs, but just a few years ago I led uh, IDC's uh, partnering research. And so, I mean, there's new technologies. There, you have to be specialized, domain expertise, everything we just talked about. Your customer can't just be, can't just be selling IT things to IT people anymore. There's three. Um, the sales motion begins at, uh, basically the sales motion used to be 
get to the deal and you were done, walk on to the next one. Now it starts with adoption and usage and customer success. There's four. So um, you have to think now long-term versus short-term. You could, again, get to the quarter, get through that, and then go to the next quarter. It's very short-term focus. Now we're talking about streams of revenue over three to five years. It would be your kind of minimum. Uh, marketing has to go from traditional to digital. Um, that's, that's a big one. You talked a ton about that. Uh, activities, I mean, it was resell. That's got to go to services. Pro services has to go to managed services. Any kind of services has to go to IP at some point. So that's a shift. Um, the competition, you will find non-traditional competitors now. Um, you know, uh, we, we talked in some influencer channels and banks and accountants are going to be your competitors. They never were. Um, alliances, so partner to partner networking has been brought up a lot. You just have to really know how to do alliances today. You didn't always. You could do a lot on your own, but you've got to specialize and then partner for, for mm -hmm. everything else. And uh, there used to be, you know, sustainable competitive advantage. That doesn't exist anymore. Uh, it's transient advantage at best. So in my mind, <laughs> I came prepared. Those are, those are to me the 10 transformations. <laughs> he came from IDC, what did he expect? He's got freaking three pages of notes. I know it's not an iPad. So Nick, but, don't go but right to, after doing his homework. Yeah, but in my mind, that's why we're talking about it. That's why it doesn't go away. That's why it's hard, because it's not one thing, it's many things. And um, the book I just got uh, done reading was uh, The Subtle Art of, oh, never mind. Um, <laughs> you can look at all these transformations. You can kind of study uh, for, for, for you guys or for your, your partners will study them and look at them. But you can only take on so many. And I think your point was right that you can't freak out. You can't give a crap about every one of these things or you'll go crazy. You're going to have to pick the ones that kind of hit for you. Market and technology trends can precipitate or even force channel transformation. But in some cases, channel transformation is being done out of necessity. And that's what Nick Tidd shared about what he's doing at Poly. He's in the midst of bringing together two very different channel programs resulting from the merger of Polycom and Plantronics. Our company has been going through a rather unique transformation. We're coming together from Polycom and Plantronics into one entity and it's been really interesting because it, it forced transformation. And it really emphasized when you have a broad partner population like we have, which I fondly refer to as everything from two men in a truck to sell through global service providers, you really have to pay attention to the end user behavior and the persona of the end user. If you focus on starting to build your partner program and you try to build the best mousetrap in the world, you're not gonna catch any mice. You really need to, to, to look and then start to segment based on that partner type. You know, as I listened to Alyssa, right? You know, I listened to your certifications and peace. Um, I would kind of flip it the other way around, is what do you need as a requirement to meet the needs of the buying behavior of your end users and then work backwards from there. And that then starts with you then come out with your business and value problem then overlay your product strategy on top of that and then don't forget about the finance guys because you need that three-year window i think you you mentioned three years that's the same window that we plan in in three-year increments and if you think you're ever done you're never going to be done because you're going to you're going to get a curveball so transformation really is an ongoing activity i would agree with chris we've been doing it for years all of us have been doing it we just haven't realized what we've been doing to get there 
the market will change, technology will change, the channel will change just as much as mountains will crumble and seas will rise. These things are inevitable. The question that comes up oftentimes in discussions with channel chiefs and channel managers is who's responsible for taking the transformation strategy, that transformation vision, and bringing it out to the partners. Is it the responsibility of the channel chief or the channel organization to get the partners to change, the ones that got you here to get you there? Or should you let Darwinism take its course and let the weak partners dissipate into the past and cultivate new partners that are able to act on the new models and the new technologies? We're going to hear two different perspectives on this issue. We're going to start with Microsoft's Alyssa Fitzpatrick, who says, transform one partner and see how the rest follow. So it will whittle out along the way, and it will be the survival of the fittest. So as you start to transform, and if I go back to, to Rod's question before I finish the presentation, and he's got a channel of 30 partner or channel of 30-year partners, well, transform one and then see what happens to the rest because they will follow suit, but it is very hard. So you need fortitude and you've gotta have staying power and you have to accept failure. It's going to happen. Well, Alyssa Fitzpatrick invokes Darwinism in her response. She actually believes in helping to guide partners to a transformation journey, helping them see the opportunities ahead and what it takes to engage in the future models. Chris Jones at AT&T, on the other hand, believes Darwinism is the mechanism of weeding out the weak, the partners that are unable or unwilling to engage in these new models, and finding or being the catalyst for finding new types of partners that do have the capabilities for engaging in what comes next. To me, and, and so I'm, I'm in our partner solutions organization, I left, I, w I was in the channel, I left the channel, I came back to the channel, and it's like deja vu to me. Right? It's the same conversation that, that, that we as a collective group have been having for a long time. And I think, I think in some cases, I think that we're, we're worrying about stuff that we shouldn't be worrying about. Right? From, from my perspective, I'm a, I'm a big fan of sort of Darwinism. Right? And if your partners can't succeed, it's not your job to help them succeed. It's your job to find partners that can do what's right for your business. And, um, I, I think uh, when I think about these conversations and some of what we're doing, I think that, that it, we need to focus more on how does, how does your business grow revenue? Who are the partners that are out there that can grow revenue? And, and then you have to decide, do you have the right partners or not? And if you don't have the right partners, go find the right partners versus, you know, I, I, I said this to someone earlier, my wife and I have this debate on a recurring basis. She thinks that I should change as a person, right? <laughs> After 20 years of marriage, I am the same person I was she married 20 years ago, and in 20 years, I'm going to be the same person, right? And in spite of the coaching and mentoring and guidance and demands and everything else she does, I'm, I am what I am, right? And, and I think in a lot of cases, that's what your partners are going to be, and that's what our partners are, right? And trying to change them is, is not our goal. Our goal is to decide that we need to find partners that can try and drive what we're about. A tremendous example of not only channel transformation, but business transformation is Microsoft. Over the past several years, Microsoft has literally gone through a titanic shift 
in the way that it views the world, the way it sells its products, as well as the way it works with channel partners. And that was not just about the technology or the shift to the cloud. It was also a change in culture. And that culture is having a tremendous impact on the way that Microsoft is shaping its channel, as Alyssa Fitzpatrick shares. We're in the middle of it. We're, we're absolutely right smack in the middle of it. And I, I would not say that we're closer to the end than the start. I would say we we're closer to the start. Um, I joined Microsoft a little over two and a half years ago. And um, four months after I started, they did this massive upheaval of, we're going to transform the sales organization. So six months of work, everyone constructing the sales organization. We roll it out. Everything has changed. But the culture, the culture didn't shift. It's the same people doing different jobs. We've got different guidance on what we're supposed to do. But it didn't land with the culture element. And that was two years ago. We're still in the middle of it. This is a very, very big challenge for any company at any size. It has to start at the top. It has to be a commitment at the top first. And then that precedent has to be set across with a cultural shift. It will not happen bottom up. I, we have an entire brand new inside sales organization to the tune of about 5,000 people. And they're all under 25. So we've got it in house. But that's not changing our sales model. We got the people, we got every, we are working on the cultural shift. So again, I mentioned it in my presentation, everything fails without a cultural shift. The 2112 team and I work with a number of vendors on understanding future market conditions and what needs to change in their channel programs to have well-oiled and well-performing partners and indirect revenue sources. A couple of things that often stand in the way of making change though is the disruption to existing compensation plans and changing to new revenue models. In particular, vendors and partners alike struggle with recurring revenue. Here's what Darren Bibby had to say about what it means to disrupt yourself and what it takes to overcome or adapt to recurring revenue. It's a, it's a tough one because the economics are different. Mm -hmm. And so uh, over time, the subscription model, the recurring revenue model is a beautiful model, and it's an old model too, by the way. Telcos have done it for years, insurance companies have done it, cable companies. I mean, it's a, it's a very old model, but we all kind of go to sessions here and like, oh, there's this new thing called subscription. It's not that new. Um, but we're the ones having to actually change. You know, I'm not sure if the cable companies, you know, had a one-time fee forever for cable. Probably not. So the, the hard thing for us is the change. So the economics are that it's better in the end for a company but it sucks in the beginning for a seller. So you have to even that out. So a lot of companies end up with comp plans that say, I'm gonna give you a, a 4X accelerator on what you bring in on your first year ACV to get them closer to what it would have been, mm -hmm. 6X, whatever it would be. And it's sort of like the, the, the seller or then the channel partner who you're gonna try to help in that. They kind of win in the beginning. Um, so like in, at DocuSign, we give a, um, a referral fee on first year fees. And, but then we've got kind of the customer ongoing. So it's like we paid out probably a little too much in the beginning or to a seller or to whomever, but then the company's gonna win in the long term. So someone's gotta bear that kind mm -hmm. of short-term price. Something that a number of channel chiefs are dealing with nowadays is pushback from finance. 
the CFO's office and finance and comptrollers are really looking at channels, trying to understand what their true value is and if they truly are contributing. Many channel chiefs express some frustration and challenges with demonstrating the value of their channel and their channel partners to their overall organization and the contributions that they make. As Nick Tidd of Pauly says, analytics are really the way forward. If you don't have them, he says, you're going to be in trouble. And he gives some sound advice on what needs to be done in order to build and demonstrate the value of channels through data. Analytics, you're going to live and die by your analytics. If you have not created a partner ops team, go and get one quickly. Get your finance team aligned to a single version of truth because everything we've just talked about in how you align to channels and your channel types and your segments, you're not going to get that from the traditional model of heat maps. You're not going to get that from mm -hmm. total addressable market. You're going to get it from total competable market. Right? So map your portfolio, look at your partner type, take your analytics, and map that way, and that will ultimately give you the financial modeling that you need. And if you've not invested in those types of tools, I would strongly encourage you to, regardless of your size, finance cannot argue with analytics. They cannot argue with, with the baseline. And so over-rotate on that piece, and you'll, you'll have the financial wherewithal to be able to stomach and be able to make the predictive modeling that you're going to need to do before you embark on the change. You're not going to get it right. I don't think to get it right. We, we've misfired a couple of times. But at least understand the journey you're going to and then put tranches to that so that you know what part of the journey that you're on. Everyone's heard of the book, what got you there won't get you there. Well, some vendors actually think about that in regards to their future channels, that their current partners aren't necessarily going to be the partners of their future. Many are looking around for the next generation of partner, and it's becoming increasingly more difficult to find, recruit, and operationalize new partners. As Microsoft solicits Fitzpatrick shares, analytics are really the driving force behind partner recruitment. We, we need to recruit the new partners that are out there that we do not know. And it didn't used to be that way. Actually, I, I rewind to the older days of Microsoft and it was a, an order-taking company, as were our partners. And our partners came to us. Now we are seeking them out. We're going out and we're recruiting. We're finding those partners that are transformed and bringing them into our ecosystem. And so the way that we look at our channel is very, very different. And, and our recruiting is informed by our analytics every single time. People in and around the channel have been saying for years that a true best practice for having a good channel program is getting top-down support, executive buy-in. Uh, but it's a bit more than that. It requires effort. It requires setting expectations. And as Nick Tidd of Pauly says, it requires setting the parameters up front for what it means to build and evolve your channel program. A couple of data points and advice. Set policy. Set both channel policy, sales policy, and get your C-suite engaged to reinforce the policy. If you don't reinforce the policy, you're going to have anarchy. And so it, it's staying that course, and there is going to be failure. And don't be afraid to fail, but just don't compromise 
the integrity of the organization with those failures. And set yourself and ensure and the one thing that, that I try to encourage my team to do is spend a lot of time. You've got to talk to your constituents. You've got to have a regular cadence of feedback. That does not have to be a formal partner council once a year. You need to have a cadence, check, check twice, and keep going. And when you're, when you're going to facilitate that change, if you have partners in the pocket with you that are going to stand up and say that I believe in that policy, the, the rest will mm -hmm, follow. Mm -hmm. But you have publicizing to those wins. Mm -hmm. And publicize it and hold them up and ask them to be accountable to help you with that change. This is a discussion that could go on for hours and probably will go on for many years to come as vendors continue to look for ways to change and evolve their channel programs to meet future market conditions and customer expectations. The big takeaway from this panel is channel transformation, like digital transformation, is a journey that requires study, planning, time, and patience. That's all the time we have for this special edition of Pod 2112. I want to thank our guests, Alyssa Fitzpatrick of Microsoft, Nick Titt of Poly, Darren Bibby of DocuSign, and Chris Jones of AT&T. I'd also like to thank our partners and friends at Baptian Company, the host of this panel at Channel Focus North America, which is the premier conference for channel executives and professionals. And of course, I want to thank all of you for joining us on Pod 2112, a production of the 2112 Group. 2112 is a leading provider of research, strategy development, and enablement services for B2B technology and manufacturing companies around the world. For more information about how 2112 can help your business, visit our website at the2112group.com. Also, check out Channelnomics, 2112's news and analyst site that provides the best insights into business practices and market trends. And if you haven't done so, please subscribe to Pod 2112. You don't want to miss a single conversation with the executives and thought leaders shaping the world and the market around us. You can subscribe to Pod 2112 on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. It's easy to subscribe, so do so today. Thanks again for listening to Pod 2112. Until next time, I'm Larry Walsh.